Hello, Goldmine readers and listeners. This is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine Magazine, and welcome to the Goldmine Magazine podcast again. This podcast will be interviewing Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister, and we're going to be talking about a new reissue by Rhino Records of You Can't Stop Rock and Roll, the 1983 LP. And God, I can remember in the spring 83 buying that when it first came out. It's can't believe it seems like yesterday. But here it is. It's remastered, and it's expanded with live recordings from the band's uh, 1983 performance at the Marquee Club, which is excellent. Uh, but we're going to be talking to Dee about that and other things. Okay, we'll be right back after this message to talk to Dee Snyder. Hey, I'm Ronald Webb, and this is Patrick Prince. And together we host the Goldmine Radio Hour, the show that features the latest issue of Goldmine, the music collector's magazine. Tune in Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on CygnusRadio.com. So, the new Rhino reissues, how, um, I was going to say, they're remastered, and they come in a, a package. What's your... What was your immediate opinion? Did you have any say on what they were going to do, or you know, um, JJ French uh, has such a passion for this stuff? Yes, a passion, and and you know, and uh, in all honesty, I don't. Um, I don't have a stereo. I don't have. Um, I don't collect stuff. I I love you know. I love the the download world of of digital you know and and just the, the handiness of the everything on my phone and and I don't yearn or uh, uh, you know for the past, for the for yesterday or these kind of things. Fortunately. Yes. There are a lot of people who do. Yes. I think I'm almost in a minority, quite honestly, especially, you know. And uh, look, I just released a brand new metal record. Yes. And we've got colored vinyl. We've got these amazing box sets. And I've got these young guns working on it. And they go, dude, people want this stuff. So I'm going, I go, awesome. You guys do it. <laughs> so, but, JJ, but JJ's passion is, is, is so strong. And I trust him, you know, so many years working together. Uh, and he assembles, you know, he works with Rhino and his assemble these amazing packages and that's that's what i'm into too i I gotta admit you know i instead of worrying about the remaster is good but i'm into like the extra tracks i like the fact that it was packaged together uh live at the marquee 1983 with the album it's kind of like a nice um, oh, it's great! And look at look, look at the interest in, in Gene Simmons' vault. I mean, beyond the amount that were sold, even yeah. just the press interest and the and and you know people. I mean, it, there's there's these people are either they're fascinated with this stuff, yes, or it, it has a a childlike appeal. I think, yeah. you know, uh, you know, I know with my um, with my uh, with my with my new album, we had a box and. People were like filming themselves opening it, like, yes. like look at inside a patch and a, a pin and a and a, a scarf and I got a record and a color. You know, I mean, so there's there's a joyous quality to it, and that really you know brings out the kid in us, which is great. Well, you know what I think it is, D, that uh, you're going through your Zen moment right now with not collecting stuff, but I think the younger generation is so used to the digital age that it's kind of like a backlash. They want the tangible. 
they want to they they want extras and they like it's fun for them you know you see these well, kids that's interesting i mean you know because you know you, you know the older generation has a you know loves loved that yes. aspect of the product and the younger generation i i think i think you, I, you've just sort of explained to me why because everybody loves opening a present you know, I mean, yes. everybody loves tearing the paper off the present and opening that box and seeing what's inside. You know, the gift card thing is big, but everybody, if if it's if it's a cool gift, they prefer the wrapped up gift. You know, so for the younger generation, this is something you're right that they've they've lost out on. Well, look at it this way, right? I might be a kid who's say 16. I find out about Twisted Sister uh, streaming or digitally. I might not even know that Dee Snider's singing on that. You know what I mean? I don't know any members of the band. It's just a oh, song. Yeah, 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 that's all. That is absolutely lost. The the information that came with a record, you know, um, and people, you know, raving that in, that my CD has like a booklet. Yes. The full and people going, wow, that's awesome. Like with the lyrics and who wrote the songs and who played and there's information that we used to treasure and cherish like who yeah. was playing the guitar right you know and i used to put things in in, in, in we used to put things in there would say left you know left speaker jj right speaker eddie <laughs> in like a in like a duel but it was like you know that little bit of information that that people that cherished you know and, and that has been lost it has been, man, and I know I know from experience because I have a a teenage son, and um, you know he doesn't even know the band members' names of the, the bands because <laughs> he downloads digitally. <laughs> they're just they're just a band, which to me is kind of sad because it should be about the all the different individuals within the band. But uh, yeah, yeah, that that's God. We could, we could, we could. We could talk we, about like, that forever. We could talk about that. My, my, my daughter. Plus their their magazine approach to listening. Yes. Like she'll play me stuff and she'll go check this out and she'll play me like a verse of the chorus and then she's on to the next track. Yeah. And I'm like whoa, 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 that was pretty good. That was a good song. <laughs> what are the rest of it? She'll go no, check this out. She's like you know it's like it's a you know it's ADD like yes. with these kids you know. Yes. Don't know who's in the band. Don't actually know the whole song. So live at the Marquis, uh, you know what I love is how what you don't know sure can hurt you leads it off. I've always loved that. Obviously, it's on Under the Blade, but it's a great song, great live song. And do you agree, especially as an opener, it, it gets the adrenaline going, man. You know, some have uh, I've seen it referred to many times by different people as yeah. one of the great opening songs yes. of all time. Um, it's, it's funny, it was the, I, as a songwriter, it's the only song I ever wrote to a lighting plot. I had this idea, because the band was being so quickly judged by the way we looked when we walked down on stage. I had this idea, I said, what if we came out like in silhouette and you couldn't really tell? Yes. What was going on until like well into the song, we and then the lights would come on and you'd see what we look like, mm. um, and um, so it, you know it became this you know and and it's a pretty bombastic uh, 
it's an opener, you know. It's, it it's, it's 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 very very. It's the kind of song you really couldn't play in the middle of the show. It's got to it's got to open the show or, or nothing. And and it certainly was always became a really great moment for Twisted. Because what, it goes with what you don't know and you haven't seen the band yet, sure can hurt you. So it leaves this element of surprise and kind of like anxiety. <laughs> Yeah, with a and with a with a threat. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> no, no. What you don't know. What you don't know is saying is what you don't know can hurt you. Right. What you can know can really hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> but what what do you think of the London crowds then compared to you were touring in New York for so long and rowdy crowds and what you what do you think of the London crowds as in comparison? Even rowdier. Even really, uh, they yeah. Well, they they the concept of personal space in the eighties, and I think it was coming out of the punk era yeah. um, in in uh, in England and Europe was uh, they didn't know what personal space was. No. They would pack so tightly together, it would be this body moving as one. Yes. You know, which was. Well, which you wouldn't see in the states, even though it'd be packed in, you still sort of have this, you know, this little force field around you. Like, stay back, stay back. You know, this is my little space here. You know, somebody get, you know, encroaching. You're touching me. You don't touch my shoulder. Don't touch me. You know, that's that's a New York crowd. You know, you get close, but do not touch me. You know, um, there it was just jammed together. I remember, literally, that heat that would come off the crowd. Right. The physically, you could feel the waves of heat coming off their bodies and the smell. Let's not talk about the smell. <laughs> denim and leather. Yeah. Worn denim and leather, it has its own odor entirely. <laughs> with, with a little B.O. thrown in there. I mean, it, it was, it was it would waft up and just, it was a force. So yeah, so it was, um, it was an experience, but you know, for Twisted, it was that next level of audience commitment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where you, where again, you, you don't even care about. It was just get as packed, as close, as tight as you can, and become you know become one with what was going on. So it was really freaking cool. Plus, you were already a thing in London. I mean, they they were well aware of you because you went there to get the record contract. So, it, 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 yeah, we had already done some legendary debilitating and not on for ourselves shows yes. uh you know where you know in, in a heat wave um you know packed to the rafters uh the hottest day you know record-breaking temperatures and we find out and, and we are people are just being carted away right. uh by emts and we're just it just I, I was I literally from those shows had um, I had like scars emotional scars anytime we'd get hot I would start panicking because right. I'd been so suffocated it turned out that the club owner marquee owner was running the heat in the club to get people to drink more interesting uh, so yeah so I mean but we'd already in these shows had become legend because where we thought we had been defeated by you know by the elements so to speak the press the next day were like couldn't believe we were standing up. I mean, people were like they're being carried away, and we were up there like rocking in this intense, <laughs> intense heat. So uh, by the time we rolled into these shows, you know, people were they had to see this band. So this was this was a launching platform and part of the grand plan by Phil Carson uh, from Atlantic Records 
to launch Twisted Sister, you know, to create these, originally these, these tracks were all B-sides to, you know, 7-inch, 12-inch uh, picture discs. He had all these different variation, variants out there in order to push I Am On Me and the kids are back higher in the charts because he knew the metal fans would snap up every variation of the, of the record. And it, and it worked. It did. I, I bought them all. You know, I did, well, thank you. I and, did. And, and, but, <laughs> but that's the beauty now, because now you're getting to hear it as a concert experience, right. as before, where we just sort of snippets of a concert experience, excerpts. Right. Now it's you know beginning to end, right. which is what makes this record so great, because it was, it was a celebration, it was a moment, you know, for us. But and and for the fans, you, you were saying how they were just uh, you know passing out, but seeing you live in a club. Um, it is like a non-drug high, I remember. Because one of my fondest memories as a rock kid was 15 years old, and my brother-in-law snuck me into a club you guys were playing. I think it was in Portchester, I can't remember. It was 1980, and it just blew me away. You were like the first legit band I had seen in a club, and I found that club experience so exhilarating compared to... I had seen some arena shows, but... There was nothing like it, man. You guys were doing your own stuff. You were doing covers. Look, we, we were up there, but I've heard it many, many times. And, you know, just you know, we were creating a concert experience inside in a club. club environment. At the, uh, you hear me okay? Yeah, and I imagine, you know, because I used to see all those albums of Iron Maiden and all the kids packed in the club. And to me, that was my American experience, seeing Twisted Sister. Of course, you're right. Yeah. It wasn't like, uh, you know, New Yorkers don't like to be too, you know, touched or anything. But <laughs> <laughs> they don't want you but near was, them. But it was, it, you guys were giving all you could. I we mean, could. Were, you, know, you, know, so, you know, I mean, I mean I, dude, I get it. Personal space. I go to a show. Do not press up against me. You know, as it's, you're crossing the line. But uh, at the same time, it was, you know, like so many people have told me, just walking yes. in. And we yes. were so much larger than life. And and, and just, like, seemed like we were from another planet. You know, we were gigantic. And we, and, uh, and you know, and then the, and we just knew how to grab the audience by the balls and, and, and take them for a ride, you know. And we took that talent with us. When we left and tried, that's where we learned it. And then we took it around the world, and people were stunned. People yeah. go, how did you get so good yeah. at, like, you know, handling a crowd? And right. how did you get so good? I said, well, you know, this is, you know, 50,000 people at, at Donington's easy compared to, you know, uh, $1 beer night at the Osprey <laughs> on the Jersey Shore. <laughs> you know, that's a tough room, you know. <laughs> if, you can, if, you, if, you can take, if you can control that room, you can handle anything. <laughs> I mean, what I love, too, is that you guys had a unique banter on stage. You were funny, cracking jokes, and with with the audience, too. <laughs> that, was, that was the great part. You were interacting with the audience, and I had never seen a band do that. It was like, uh, you know, I still, I still, you know, I mean, to this day, people talk about that when, in my live performances, about how... You know, I'll be in front of 75,000 people, and they'll all feel like I am talking to them 
and having fun with them. And in between, you know, very aggressive. You know, the burden is his burden hell. And we'll, you know, and we'll just fucking get as dark and heavy as possible. <laughs> and then I'll be laughing and then make it, you know, and make it a joke. And then we go back, the fires will burn. You know, then we go back into it, switching gears like that. But you know who were masters of that? Interestingly enough, the Beatles. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Lemmy Kilmester told me, because he saw Stones at the Marquee, Beatles at, you know, at, at the Cavern. Uh, he, um, you know, he was roadie for Jimi Hendrix. And so this man experienced it all. And he said, first of all, Beatles are Stones? Beatles. Right. Destroyed the Stones. As far as the band goes, they weren't believable. And they were funny. Yeah. He goes, their, their, their shows were, you know, just like tight, a great rock and then they'd like have this comedy yes. they would do and uh, entertaining the crowds and they were very uh, well and I remember they, they, you know that's a, the only other band I've ever heard that about was that they're entertaining in between songs but did you feel that um, you know when you became when you started becoming an arena band did you miss some of that sweaty energy of the intimate clubs you know, people always say, I mean, don't you miss the clubs? And I always say, no. Right. <laughs> and I go, no? And I go, first of all, I never was in a club. And that, by that I mean, you know, when Twisted, one of the first things Twisted did when we, and we had nobody there to see us when I joined the band, is we stole police barricades, repainted them. And, and spray painted keep back on them and put mm. them in front of the stage. Mm. And the seven people who came in to see us, well, you know, when you see a barricade, just keep back, immediately press up to the barricade. <laughs> so, so, so to us, we were like projecting this idea that we were something to be seen, something that you needed to keep back from. This wasn't just any band. Right. And if you ever saw me, you'd see me, one of my, my I, I, you know, they would say, oh, that, that's a signature D move, this sort of extending a finger, pointing, like sort of up and back, yes. you know, like you see, you know, I was in an arena. I was pointing to the rafters, to the balconies, to the you know upper tiers. Sure. Even was in the bar, in my mind—that's where I was. And so I was, and we were in the bars way longer than I ever expected to be. And you know, and so I, you know, I, I said God gave me this large head for a reason, and that's because you go to a festival and you can see me from the back of the place. <laughs> I have a head for arenas. Yes. So in a face for arenas, it's just way too big for a normal person. So, um, you know, so, I mean, was there a fun and was there an energy? No doubt about it. I mean, yeah. you know, and, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, there's certainly something, we, you know, special about that. But as far as where do I long to be, it is I, I am just so comfortable. The bigger the audience, right. the happier I am because because I can command it, because I can reach them, and I because I can entertain them, yeah. and I'm not afraid of large numbers. I and mean, you know, I'm not saying you know people, whatever. So anyway, so yeah, it, it, you know, there's a, it's, it's fond memory, but like JJ, he loves those bar days. Oh my God, he just <laughs> that that's like the glory days, the bars, and, and me, I was like, dude, I was never even there. You know, I was, and I was, but that, I think that was projecting to the audience that I was. This guy is like, he's going someplace. Yeah, he is someplace. I don't know, you know. I remember uh, Brian Koppelman, who is a very big Hollywood writer. Um, 
and uh, he uh, and he and he had seen us, and I, you know, I became friendly with him, and he saw us forty-five times in the club. So I said, "Yeah," I said, forty-five times," and I just got to know. Thank you, first of all. Secondly, <laughs> why? Why? And he said, "I got I got to get back to you on that." So the next time I saw him, he goes, "I got an answer for your question." He goes, "Cause." Me and my friends believed that you believed. Yes. And I said, what the fuck kind of idiot savant answer is that? <laughs> he says, no, he says, you were so clearly believed in your mission, so clearly believed in what you were doing. You were so we passionate about it. We had no choice but to join you. Right. And say, yes, we're with Twisted Sister. Yes. We will follow, we'll follow you to the end. You know, I mean, he says, and we just, you were just that convincing. But that's, because I was convinced. You know, I was, I did believe. And, you know, I, I was, you know, it's like the old uh, mantra from Natalie Wood in Miracle on 34th Street. I yeah. believe, I believe, it's silly, but I believe, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I believed. But what, you know, what what's amazing is, like, you went right to the arenas and you were natural. And it reminds you of how... The Beatles, you know, they played all those clubs in Germany, and they got they got it down. They got it down where they were just it was like kind of like um, <laughs> just a habit playing, you know. And well, they for them they they literally had to be on autopilot because they couldn't hear anything. Right. And they're pretty sure the audience couldn't hear anything either. <laughs> there was no monitors. I mean, they they talk about no monitors, and they're at Chase Stadium. Yeah. Yet, if you hear those tapes, they're pretty tight. Yeah. Given they couldn't hear a thing, right. they just were, you know, it was by road at that point. You get so practiced at it. You know, I heard that um, JJ once told me that the Stones, preparing for every tour, they run through every song a hundred times. Yeah. So it is just as sloppy as it appears or as loose as it appears, it's not. It's just ingrained in it, it's like grooves in a record. Yeah, it is. It's almost yeah, it is. They they were just so used to it. Thank God that they played in Germany, or else they they probably would. Not that it would matter because of all the screaming, but it really did help them. Um, you know what? And I want to say just you know because uh, just in defense of by rote, you know, yeah. is that's in order to really be great and be at your best, you need have it just coming out of you without any thought this is when exactly. an actor is embodying uh, a part when they aren't thinking about the lines right and i know it because i personally because i've acted when you're not thinking about it anymore you're not trying to remember it you're not you're not one step ahead going what's the next line you're just there's coming out of your mouth and now at this point you're able to actually act and as a performer that's when you are really rocking. That's when you are really in the zone because you're now, it's, 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 it's with, it's, there's no thought involved. You're just embodying the song and you're letting it go. And that's, that's, you know, so it's not, I just want to say that when you, you know, to be that practice is not a bad thing. That's really when you hit your stride. Right. I agree. How do you feel about the, uh, do you like when the, the release of like B-sides and extra tracks? And stuff like that. I'm glad that you guys uh, released these three extra tracks that were on. It was actually the UK edition of You Can't Stop Rock and Roll EP. Um, I'm I, kind of mortified by them, actually. You are? 
a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, like when I heard Club Days. Well, I mean, the 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 B tracks on on you know Stay Hungry, extra tracks or extra tracks on um, You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. That one, I'm I'm fine with those. I love those. But you know, JJ, you know, uh, they, I say we're the Tupac Shakur of metal bands. It's like in our demise. <laughs> There'll be more product coming. I'm going, where are we getting this stuff? So, but I listen to things like Club Days, and I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, they're my songs. Yes. And I'm going, no wonder we didn't get signed. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, as a, as a writer, as yeah. a, you know, the craftsman, yeah. um, I'm realizing, oh, shit, I was, you know, really perfecting my art at that point. So I'm kind of mortified to hear these things. Mm. But, um, you know, I know there's people who love it because they're part of the journey, part of, you know, what, you know, the band that they love got to be the band they love. And this is the developmental process, you know. It's like seeing a high school yearbook picture. You know, it's like, well, yeah, it doesn't look anything like Dee Snyder, but that was... That was how it started. Yes, that was how the hair started. So, I mean, you know, people see value in that. Well, you you also, you know, when I grew up, it was the early 80s, so it was kind of like a hunt. You guys put these extra tracks on a uh, 12-inch EP in the UK, and we were going to every record store to see if we could find it. So it was kind of like... Where, where where would it be? It wasn't yeah, like that, today. That, it wasn't that, like today. That is a lost thing. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, you know we're, there are things that are disappearing due to technology. Yeah. You know, that 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 hunt, going through the bins, finding that rarity, finding that, that you know, that outtake or whatever, it, you know, it became a mission. Yes. You just go online and just put in the words and, and it comes up. It was fun. And, you know, in all its glory. Yeah. I mean, another lost art is the argument. Right. Uh, you know, because the phone is the great argument killer. Uh, you know, I mean, like like a friendly argument. No, yeah. no, no, it was this, this, this. Other. Well, you know, as my friend, dear friend Penn Gillette always says, gee, if only there was a handheld device that could give us the answer. You know, and then we go, Siri, uh, what, how much, you know, and, oh, and then, then the argument's done. Oh, you're right. Well, right, you're arguments right. aren't fun anymore because they're Twitter comments. Anonymous Twitter comments and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I read some guy, some 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 uh, some you know baseball nut dad or friend of mine, yeah. and he was trying to remember a specific fact about this guy, and he said, "Oh, dad, I'll just look it up on the phone." He's like, "No, no, I don't want you to look up on the phone. I want to remember this. I want to, remember, I want to, you know, like like it was a point of personal pride. Anybody yes. can go to the phone. I should know this. Yes, you know." Well, what I love, the track that I loved is uh, You Can't Stop Rock and Roll because as a kid, it was an anthem that talked about, you know, when you were a rocker back then, it was like you were in a club, you, you know, a special club, an exclusive club, and then this song kind of, it, it really wrapped it up. And, you know, I'm not talking about how they... You know, they take a lot of songs and they they put them in these an anthem in a sports arena and stuff like that. This was a true anthem, and now in 2018, I feel like guitar rock is not as popular as it was when we were kids. It's just not. It's these manufactured loop and digital electronic music, even pop yeah, music. You, you got to get into the metal world. I mean, it's, it's yes, it's metal stayed. Metal stayed. What's going on? Yeah, the, the guitar 
playing, the drumming, vocals, the, the, the melodies got is lost, beaten up in the, you know, it's not completely gone, but that, but the guitar playing and the riffs and the, you know, the tech, the, the technicians, they're there, and you know, and it is incredible. But you can't stop rock and roll, you know. Um, people ask me, you know, you wrote all the songs. What's your favorite? I think you can't stop rock and roll. Yeah. Um, because well, the, tw the twisted songs because. It, it, to me, it's the most defining of the band. It is an anthem, but it's very metallic, which got people, some people lost sight of once we had the, you know, the hits, you know, the, the hit songs, the, any of those kind of, you know, sing-along anthem, but it was still sing-along, mm -hmm. but it had all those elements and the statement in and of itself. I mean, pretty much every, pretty much virtually every review of my new album ends with the line, you can't stop rock and roll. <laughs> like, as, you know, as, as like, you know, like, you know, and Diaz just proved it once again. Yes. And um, so, yes, it is, it is that battle cry. But let me tell you, that sense of community within, amongst metal fans, yeah. you know, and, and rockers, it's still there. Yeah. I read this incredible book you might get to be interested in called Heavy Metal Islam. Hmm. And it's about the fact that in the Middle East, Heavy metal it thrives underground. I heard about and that. Un and unites all the countries, all the religions, crosses all borders. Uh, everything the politicians are trying so desperately to do, people are fighting wars over, all those problems are being solved with the metal community coming to come together. And it's, it, like you said, it's a club. It's a lifestyle. It's it's a passion for a certain kind of sound. It's it's a it's a it's a dress. It's a clothes style. It's and it's and and they're just they're just communicating. All these people, you know, oh well, wars wars rage on. The metal community is unified in the Middle East, and it's a beautiful you know it's beautiful. I'm gonna blow my own horn here for a second. I, I somebody told me you got to read this book. The reason was during the interview. The, um, the guy interviews one of the big um, uh, Muslim uh, Muslim metal bands, you know, yes. and the guitar player, and he goes into his apartment, and a picture of me is the screensaver. That's cool. And he goes, these D. Snyder's your screensaver. Why? He says, we all owe D. Snyder for his fight against censorship. And yeah. I realize, you know, you, you know, here it was just about the records. There, it's about like literally, you know, going to jail. Yes. For listening to shit, and 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 my what I did was actually lifting them up. I mean, I was just so touched. But you, know, you never know how far it reaches. But anyway, I'm just I, I, that was an offshoot of just the community that you talked about. And yeah, and and you know, and it's always been us against them, man. You know, people say, you know, you know, I think it was Rolling Stone, or I can't remember his village voice or Rolling Stone, but the review of We're Not Gonna Take It was What From Whom. <laughs> oh. It was the Spinal Tap Shit Sandwich review. Right. And it was What From Whom. Right. That's it. And, you know, so, and, and, and you know, A-holes, you know, that was the, the it was, that was the, that was, the, it was, it was, you fill in your 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 oppressor's name here, but the we was the rock community. Yes, and, uh, and you know, and who that was everybody, the people who were out there who were against us, and they were then they're out there, the people who look down at us, despise us, don't get us, don't appreciate what we appreciate. That's who, you know. So uh, if you so, uh, but anyway, you know, it is a club.
But they did, you know, you can't stop rock and roll. I mean, you did come out of that period where disco kind of ruled in the 70s. Um, it was also saying... Kind of? <laughs> oh my God, it was like a steamroller. Yeah, it was bad. Um, I was trying to lessen the blow, but yeah, it was bad. And rock was suffering to survive, and here you come out with... You know, you can't stop rock and roll. Um, it reminded me of, you know, you know, the Who put out a few songs about rock still living, but that kind of nailed it. You can't stop rock and roll. No, I think the Who's song was Rock and Roll is Dead. But that, Wasn't it? Yeah, but they yeah, tried to turn... Rock and Roll is Dead. Rock and but, Roll is Dead. Yeah, they sing it. Yeah. Uh, but it was Long Live TV. Rock. Um, live rock, be yeah. dead or alive. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Be a dead or alive. Then that, that's the statement. Yeah, there was. You know, as a matter of fact, I remember um, that was the first thing MTV picked up on on the band. Mm. Um, they included uh, singing "You Can't Stop Rock and Roll" in a commercial right. that they had. They were running in the early days of MTV. Right. You know, and because uh, it was it was a statement that I guess few were making as boldly as us. Yes. It was it was a great statement, and that's why I think people are ending the reviews with that. <laughs> exactly, that should be be proud of that. Well, thanks so much for taking the time, man. I know you're busy, so yeah, it was just so weird. I didn't know I, I'm on like a my my new album's called For the Love of Metal, and I'm on yeah. For Love of Metal like you know that's like nonstop. And then you said. The Rhino Records, I'm like, whoa, oh man, I said, oh, I didn't know that, I this was put in the middle of a, but that's cool. Well, I said like, to okay. JJ, I said, JJ, I'm always talking to you about these Rhino issues. I want to talk to, can I talk to D about them? <laughs> Happy to talk about it. Look, you know, I, you know, saw my new record, it's called Tomorrow's No Concern, it was the first track released, and it's, it's my general philosophy that, you know, I, I don't live in the past, Right. And I'm more interested in showing you what I'm working on at the moment. Right. Even though it hasn't sold anything, but I'm, it's my passion, it's my focus, and and I'd more I want to talk about that. That said, it doesn't make me any less proud of what we did, what we achieved, and and where I've been. You should you know, be. It's made me who I am, and and I love it, and I'm happy to talk about it. You should be exceptionally proud. <laughs> you should um, be exceptionally proud. Um, I am. Well, you know, to be a survivor, you know, I mean, yeah. and, and and I'm and so glad the documentary came out, and people are discovering and learning um, that, that you know that they had not even except for you guys. You yeah. guys knew. You know, the Northeasterners knew. But yeah. most people had, had they saw the tip of the iceberg with Twisted Sister. Yeah. And, you know, what if I, you know, every, I saw your documentary. Changed. I was a fan before, more of a fan now. Or never be a fan before, but I respect you guys now. Yeah. Uh, wow. You can't watch that documentary and not have your perceptions altered. Right. And feel a little bit lifted up and inspired uh, by at the same time. Go look at these motherfuckers. Right. You know? Well, bands. They, motherfuckers. Bands have to tour now. That's where they're going to make their money. I mean. There's nowhere else. There isn't. Nowhere else. It's not going to be by streaming. <laughs> yeah. 
They talk about, oh, we're streaming, streaming. How much is that translated to? Well, nothing, you know, well, let's not, let's, nothing economically, but, it's, you know, but it's, it's a moral victory. Great. What does really need more moral victories? <laughs> All right. Thanks, T. And Good I know you, you man. all right, talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you, D. Thanks for talking to Goldmine. And this is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine, signing off of the Goldmine Magazine podcast. And don't forget to pick up uh, You Can't Stop Rock and Roll Remaster by Rhino, Re- Rhino Records uh, that also has the Live at the Marquee concert, the 1983 concert that we've been talking about with D. Uh, don't forget to pick up Goldmine Magazine at your local Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and select indie record stores. You can also go to goldminemag.com and get a subscription, get a percentage off, have it mailed right to your home, and also you will get a free gift while doing so, which will be a digital edition of one of our vinyl record price guides which is always good to have around for you record collectors. Okay, this is Pat Prince signing off, and we will see you next time. Thanks, listeners.